It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. studio in studio via zoom nicole halton how you doing nicole i am great how are you i'm great we're trying to we're trying to dig out more about nicole our listeners want to know more about you we got a list of things to ask you nicole what is your favorite movie oh okay i don't know if i can have just one but probably absolutely tops the list is the wizard of oz okay because <laughs> It's just a classic. It's a classic. I know it word for word. I've watched it a liberty jillion times. Um, it's, just, oh, it's just, it's magical and beautiful. And I don't know, there's so many good things about it. And probably a close runner up is so on the same lines. And you know, I think I'm like some kind of musical person, but I'm so not, is Mary Poppins. All right. I can, I, I can see I'm, those being movies that you like. Do you, do you own a pair of Ruby slippers? No, I should, um, but I do not. I do have, I've got like a little necklace that's got ruby slippers on it. Oh, um, that's cool. But I haven't, I, I got broken. It's like, it was actually, it's an old Scrabble tile because that's another love of mine. There you go. That's something you can know. Um, I love Scrabble. Uh, but it's an old Scrabble tile and then it's got um, little Dorothy's ruby slippers on the other side. Oh, that sounds very, very nerdy. And it is and, a little bit nerdy and especially the Scrabble part of it. It's Scrabble and upwards. I'm just absolutely sold on word games. I can just you, never convince my husband to play. Thankfully, the kids are getting old enough now. Although the 12 year old beats me at Scrabble, like easily beats me. Uh, he's, he's like, oh, and I'm a good, I'm a pretty decent Scrabble player, but he just absolutely smashes me most games. So I don't know what this is, but I've heard about it. Are you into this Wordle thing? That's a thing now. Yes. So our, our team, because we work remotely, we've got our online messaging. We all play Wordle remotely and we share our scores each day, like in a channel just a conversation between us all and Tash actually said the other day that if anyone can get it in one go she'll give them 50 bucks and so we were all like yeah, that's not going to happen but I'm like no it could happen because I play the same word first every time and so for anyone who doesn't know you've got I think it's like six guesses to guess a five letter word and it tells you what what letters are in the right place are green letters the letters that are in the word but they're in the wrong place are orange and then the others are gray and so I'm like no I play the same word first every time so I've got a good chance of winning this 50 bucks if ever it gets around to my word and then a few days later Tash 
shared her result that she'd gotten it in like first go. And I'm like, you did not. And everyone's like, oh, well, well done, Tash. And I'm like, I walked into the office. I said, you did not. I said, you cheated. And she's like, no, I didn't. And then she laughed. She's like, yeah, I definitely cheated. So I knew, I knew straight away. Didn't the last time we were together, didn't we talk about uh, technology sucking our focus? Yes, absolutely. We did talk about technology sucking our focus. The good part about this app, though, this game, is there's no ads in the game so far. It's just been bought by the New York Times, so that could change. Um, There's no ads at the moment. There's nothing else on the screen. It's just guessing this word. And then once it's done, you can't do anything else for the day. Like it's one, you have one go a day and like for one word. So it can take you like two minutes and then you're done. So well, it's kind of a nice little brain tease without having to spend too long on the tech. So it's not too bad. I'm, I'm sure if people enjoy it, the New York Times will fuck it up. So Oh, um, absolutely. They've definitely, they've paid an absolute fortune for it. So now they're going to make sure that they make money off it. Well, now I know more about it than I did before. I just knew it was a thing go. before. <laughs> um, so the topic we got is, is the idea of taking time to reflect and refocus um, uh, listener Debbie Thurber sent this to me as a, as an idea. And, and I think it's, it's, it's really important. Uh, uh, Lisa Murphy does this kind of every, every fall at the end of the year when she goes, uh, when she's done doing, doing, uh, uh, gigs for the year, uh, November, December, she sends some time going over her, her mission statement and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think it's, I think it's important that, that we as individuals and as, as early learning programs, um, and businesses spend some time uh, reflecting on those things because it's it's really easy to to drift from your mission and goals and making sure you spend some time at least once in a while uh, reassessing things is probably vitally important. What are your thoughts? I completely agree. So in in Australia, we've got. Um, our national learning framework that all early childhood services have to have. One of the key parts of that is a statement of philosophy for every service. So every service needs to have a philosophy which basically outlines who they are, what they're about, and, you know, what they stand for, what their vision is, all of those sorts of nice fluffy things. And for a lot of services, that it is just that. It's a nice fluffy bunch of words. And if they don't revisit it often, It can just be a nice statement on the wall and something that says, yeah, we've ticked the box and we say, you know, it's got most services have things like, you know, in relation to communities, we believe that we should be involved in the local community and we believe that, you know, it's all those kinds of things. But if you don't actually take time to stop and think, actually, is that what we do? Is that what we believe? And how does that translate to our practice? How are we living that each and every day? And so every service is supposed to have that. And it's supposed to be reviewed together and with families and with children and whatever. But I just, for some services, I worry that that doesn't quite go through that rigorous process of reflection that it really needs to. And I think for a lot of individual educators, I know I found my own personal philosophy that I wrote when I was... 19 and I just finished my qualifications and was ready to start a job and first thing that we had to do um, was to write our own personal philosophy and so I did that and I submitted it with my job application and I came across it the other day and um, I was delighted that some like that everything I had in there was still things that I believed Mm -hmm. 
but if I was writing it now, it was, you know, it might have been a half-page document then. It'd probably be about a four-page document now. I wouldn't be able to condense all the things because so much has happened and there's been so much for me to reflect on and whatever over the time that the goalposts have definitely shifted a bit. Yeah, I, I think for, for me, one of the biggest things is that if you don't take that time, you you become prey to mission creep. And yeah. so you, you think, okay, my job is to do this. And yeah. then you do that for a while. And then there's the opportunity to do this other thing. And you think, oh, well, this fits in some somewhere. And so you start doing that other thing. And, you know, I spent 16 years uh, working for, for a big nonprofit. And, you know, every time the, the local United Way, which is kind of a, a fund, I don't know if you have, is that a thing that in Australia? No. So no. it's like a, it's a community funding thing. And so they raise money every year and they, they dole it out to, to local nonprofit uh, charity organizations. Yeah. And, and so um, they would, they would do a study and they say, we need more of this in the community. And then our agency would say, okay, we can, we can find a way to do that. Be, mostly because, Hey, there's a chance to get some grant money to do That's this. Right. Thing. <laughs> and, and so we, and, and so Maybe it's a there's a potential funding source, or maybe it's something that we think fits under our umbrella. And so a lot of times we we find ourselves stretching um, to to proportions that are almost unsustainable yeah. as as organizations and and I guess as individuals. And so taking that time to to reevaluate things and and pulling up the pruners and and cutting back and deciding you're no we could do that thing but we're not going to do that thing because it it really does there, there's not time or energy or resources to to do it well um but again that's that's kind of hard to that's hard to do it is hard to do and i think it's hard to carve out the time and space to do that well i think so many educators and services do it but they do it on the fly it's very much a as they go along they just kind of piece it all together and you know I I can remember a couple of years ago I actually facilitated a session like a training session workshop kind of thing with a early childhood service and they they were a community-based service so they're managed by um, parents of the service and so they had to be involved in, you know, this conversation around their philosophy and their mission and their values and all those sorts of things. And I facilitated that with their team. And it really, like we sat down, we, I think we had about three hours and we just scratched the surface because mm-hmm. when you really got into that deep conversation about what are we doing here? Why are we trying to do things this way? Who are we trying to you know, to support when we do it like this? Who is it disadvantaging when we do it like this? What is it that we're trying to achieve? You know, what are our ultimate goals? What do we want to be known for in the community? What do we want to feel good about when we come to work? Like when we get all those questions out, it's really hard to make enough time and space to answer them and answer them well, you know, and I think that's probably one of the challenges that most services face at the moment. And from what I see on um, various news updates that I get, I'm led to believe that the US is quite the same as us at the moment in that, you know, early childhood education is in crisis. You know, there's very few staff. um, There's 
people that have been driven out because of vaccine mandates or they've been driven out because of other reasons they've been driven out with the eternal you know i know it is here it's you know low pay and crappy conditions and all that sort of stuff and so making space and time for that feels frivolous for most people. It's like, oh, we just don't have time to that to get to that. We're barely able to meet the requirements of what we need to do day to day. But then I think if you don't do that, you run that massive risk of just continuing the cycle, becoming even more burnt out, losing more staff. Like it's just that vicious cycle, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's a hard thing to do to to kind of prune back and do less and, and, and make course corrections. Uh, because I mean, there's, there's, what is it? The sunk cost fallacy that you think yes. you've invested time and energy in this thing. And, and if you, you turn away from it, it now, then, then it's going to be, it's going to be a, a waste all for and, nothing. Yeah. All for nothing. And so, you know, a, a couple examples of, you know, just me personally, what I've, I've done, you know, I, Years ago, I wrote a I wrote a couple do-it-yourself books, and then I talked about them at conferences, and then and then people said I don't want to do it myself, do it for me, and then <laughs> I accidentally became a toy company, yeah. um, and I, and I loved it, and it was fun, and it was lucrative, and it took up a lot of time and energy and space and resources, and 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 I posted some stuff on Facebook, um, and people say, oh, that would make neat posters. You should make posters, and then I did that, and and it was it was fun. It was time consuming. And, and it took up a lot of space and, and resources. And, and so recently, I mean, it's been what two years ago now, since we just about, since we, I closed down the toy shop. Um, but that was, it was just something that was sucking up a lot of time. That wasn't something I wanted to do for the next 30 years. Yeah. And then, and then recently I decided, okay, I'm done with physical posters because I'm tired of taking them out an order comes in and I got to get them and I got to mail them and, and, and I got to store yeah, them. And, and so th that that's, I'm, I'm in the process of, of shutting that out. Now I still have the digital stuff because then it's there and I don't have to, there's, there's no more work for me. Um, yeah. And, and so breaking up, with those two things that that creatively I enjoyed, um, financially were probably good things, uh, but because of, of of my desire to spend more time focusing on on other things that I'm interested in, something had to something had to give, and so yeah. I had to had to do that pruning, and it was not necessary. I mean, once I made the decision, the decision was made, but yeah. there's there's all that all that stuff that, you know, stuff floats around in your head and should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And should I pull the trigger on it? Or when do I do that? And, and, and so that whole decision-making process um, is a, is, is, I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. And I think when we don't make time to actually stop and ask the questions, it does float around in your head for a long time. You can continue on thinking about it, you know, even sometimes not even consciously just, it's there and it's like that niggling thought of, is this really what I want to do? Is this really where I want to be? And, you know, I can remember, um, so before or at the time we, Tash and I started Inspired EC when we were working together. So we're working together in a long daycare service. Um, I was running the service and then I went off to have my first child and came back and did some job share. And I was still like, yep, I really still want to stay doing what I'm doing. Also working on our training stuff with Inspired. And, you know, it's a nice balance of the two. By the time I had the second child, that decision 
needed to change. I needed to say, you know what, I can't do both of those things. I need to pick one. But I probably should have made that decision far sooner than I had. I think I'd been thinking on it for probably at least 12 months before I pulled the trigger. And it was only that I went, oh, look at that. I'm pregnant again. (laughs) Time to make a new life decision that it's like, actually, you need to make a decision now. And I think that's what happens is we tend to get to a point where we make those decisions and those choices because something happens. There's like an event or there's a, um, you know, it's that we're burnt out. And so we quit. Um, That's a familiar story, isn't it, Jeff? Burnt out, quit, you know, Mm -hmm. just done. And so many people do that. They go, you know what? I've had enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out. If we'd have stopped six months earlier and asked ourselves those questions, we probably would have got to the same answer. We might've got there maybe less stressed, I think, and, you know, a bit felt a bit more prepared or, I don't know, but yeah, for me, that decision, like I I really learned from that, that I need to continually think about what is it that I enjoy to do? And Tasha and I ask ourselves that that question all the time. Is this what we want to do? Is this what we're enjoying to do? We're a bit the same as you, you know, aspects of our business have come up because people have asked us to do things. It's like, can you do this? We need this. Okay, sure. We'll do that. I can do that. Yeah, we just add things on and, you know, it's like we're opening a new a new out-of-school hours care service. So for school-aged children, we're opening that at the moment. And that came about because the school came to us and said, could you open one at our school? And we're like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, like it's just those things that get added on. But then we make a point at the end of every year and sometimes, well, we do more often as well, but like at the end of last year, we really sat down and we looked at every aspect of our business and what we do and when is this what we still want to do and how does this help us achieve our overall goal you know our overall goal is to make a difference in the world for children is doing this contributing to that and how is it doing that and you know I think if you don't make that time to stop and ask the questions you just get too busy with the day-to-day distractions and life stuff and whatever that kind of snowballs and before you know it four years has passed and you think am I still in the same spot that I was back then you know am I still doing the same things am I still you know and then you get people that get that real um you know dissatisfaction and complacency with their work with children you know they start to not enjoy working with children because they're not being pushed on they're not reflecting on whether it's really what they want anymore yeah yeah and for for individual programs I mean I've seen I've seen versions of it happen in different ways so like like a a just a a standard preschool program three four five year olds somebody will will say hey there's there's more need for infant care in the program you should really open open an infant program and and there's space they're they're like renting space in a in a church building or something and there's another room down the hall that they could turn I mean we could make it work and so then they do that and then they they realize that uh that 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 uh, maybe families are are having um, some some social social economic problems, and so maybe they start a small food pantry, and so then they yeah. add that on, and and on and on it goes because you know we we want to meet the needs, and and people working in early learning tend to be caregivers. It's kind of in yeah. the job title, and and so we we reach for these things, and and then after ten or fifteen years, you're doing all of this stuff, but you're because you're doing so many things you're maybe doing 
three quarters of it kind of in a half-assed way because yeah. you're, you're doing so much. Yeah. And so it, it's really hard, but it, but it's incredibly hard to say no to that stuff too, because somebody comes in and you feel flattered when somebody asks you to do this new thing. So, so you want to, I mean, we're people pleasers. And so we want to jump in and do them. And well, it's and, that sense that, Oh, this person trusts me to do that. Sure, you know, they, sure. They want this thing. They need this thing and they trust me to do that. So yes, I'll adapt to be able to do that. And, you know, I think it is, and that's fine. Like it's fine to adapt. And so much of what we do in our work wouldn't exist if we weren't open to that along the way. And, you know, it's all kind of been for good, but there are times when we stop and think, is this actually still, you know, the focus? Is this still what, and is it worth the energy and time like you with, you know, the toy making, like, is it worth the energy and the time and that investment or is there somewhere else that I'd rather invest that time and energy and, you know, financials or whatever? Like yeah. it's it's making those tough decisions. They're not easy decisions, but tough decisions to help you at least stay on track with what you want to do. Because I think, you know, and I've seen it before where there's educators who have been working in a service for 20 years and, I mean, they're grumpy as fuck. Mm-hmm. And I think... Like you need to move on. Like you just need to move on. And I look, I'm not afraid to say it to people when I've been in training sessions. If you don't want to be here, then there's the fucking door. Like yeah. just go. If this isn't what you want to do anymore, that's okay. It's okay to say, I don't love this anymore. I don't feel strongly about this anymore. This isn't my dream. It's not what I want to do with my life. It's not how I see myself living every day. Well, see you later on your bike. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I just noticed this. You can tell Nicole doesn't have her children in the background of this recording because she's she swore more in this this, this episode <laughs> than she ever has before. And I realized this because her kids aren't, aren't with her. She's in her it office and the kids true. are at school. And that's awesome. Um, no, I, and, and the thing is that these things that we get drawn into and that drag us off course, 99% of them are, are worthy and valuable things. And, and so it's really, because of that, it can be really hard to say no to them. I hadn't thought about this for years, but back in my, my center director days for a couple of years, we were, we were involved in this, in this respite program. Somebody came up with money to find short-term emergency childcare for parents that were on the edge, um, basically, I guess. And so this might be, might be like single moms who are, are one, get a break. Who are who are like one nap away from shaking the baby? I mean, those yeah. kind of situations there where hey, mom needs to run some errands or take a nap, and yeah. here's a safe place for the baby to be. And I mean, it was a very worthy program, but taking these kids who were going to be at best short term, maybe they're going to come to spend a couple hours with us uh, for for a couple days a week for a couple weeks. Um, adding those kids, I mean, it, it became a big stressor for staff. It yeah. threw our routines out of sync. And it was a very worthy and noble idea for a program. But in the the operational aspects of fitting it into what we were already doing, it didn't work. But then we, we did it for a couple of years because once you start doing things, <laughs> it's hard to kill them off. It's, so yeah, hard. it's hard yeah. to stop. And I think that's it. It's when you like kind of I can't even think of the term I'm after but you're you know you're essentially like just stacking things on top of each other and just hoping that they'll stick together and stay okay and that concept is a great concept 
but it's probably a great concept for another program. Yeah. And, you know, and, and sometimes, like I see it here sometimes where services will try to offer things that like even this is going to sound, it's really trivial compared to the worthy respite care, but services who offer, you know, a full cafeteria, like, you know, barista experience when the parents walk in in the morning and they've got someone there making coffees and, you know, serving them a donut or whatever. And I think, cool, that's nice. But there's a cafe just down the road. Like, is it essential for you to do that? What's that? What's the benefit to you doing that but how does that also fit with your vision of what you're trying to do as a service and what are the challenges then with that and could somebody else be doing that like I I just think there's oftentimes we try to just add things on because either a we think it's something that people need or b we think it'll add add value to what we do or just make us see you know come across that we're adding value even but maybe we should just leave those things for somebody else. We should probably leave the barista for the cafe down the corner and, yeah. you know, mum and dad can drop their kid off and then go get coffee. Like you, I, I don't need coffee to drop my kids off. Like more than bye-bye. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, financially it might be a better idea to close the childcare program and start a coffee shop and just start a cafe. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah, that might be, but you know, there's there's programs that have that that solid foundation that that mission and philosophy where this is who we are and this is what we do and they're really good at sticking to that and i i I think you know that's that's kind of a challenging thing because there is this this desire a lot of people have to to grow and be bigger next year than they were last year and have a bigger budget and and serve more people and and those kind of things and so so picking you know this is this is what we do here and and that's what we're going to keep doing and we're going to keep doing it well is yeah. it, it's a hard thing to do i i know of one program i can't even remember, it was here in the states i can't even remember where it was um j- family child care but just for school agers and so the kids would come in in the morning before school and then they'd get dropped off at school and then they'd be back afternoon after after in the afternoon and then there was summer program and and the caregiver was like this is the age group i like working with best i've yep. i've had plenty of requests from families to do preschool um but doing it doing it this way the kids are here for a while i get my day free they're here in the afternoon it, it works for me and she she had yeah. a, a, a a a successful business doing that and she she knew she knew who she was and she knew how she wanted to spend her day and and that's what fit and well, that, was a, that, that was a good thing it's that not trying to be everything to everyone but being who you are and doing that really well you know I yeah. think that's the thing you can try to please everybody and she could have probably taken on you know preschool age children and then spent half the day going oh for fuck's sakes why have I got these preschool age children if somebody else throws a block I'm gonna lose my shit yeah but she didn't because she knew she did school age children really well. And so she did a real service to that age group by just serving that age group. And I think, you know, I think when you find what you do really well, then to go, oh, yeah, I can do that. And, oh, I can do that. And I can do that. If you can't do all of those things well, then you end up, I think you said it before, doing all of them pretty half-assed. Yeah. 
Yeah. And hey, hey, listeners, you you might not believe it, but we do that. We do that with the uh, the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. We kind of we're kind of selective about the topics that come up here. I get emails like multiple times a week from publicists from from so and so who wrote a book or who has a different podcast or a blog, wondering if I want their so and so whoever on on the show as a guest. And and just about all 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 the time, the answer is no, 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 not really, um, because. <laughs> That's, no. not, that's not what this show is about. There, there's a bazillion podcasts out there, and and I'm sure yeah. there's there's one where where those people fit. But that's not what we. So what we do here, here we we rant and complain and cuss and and swear and, when their children aren't here, and 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 even when the children are on this end. <laughs> Um, maybe I, I feel like I've been a little bit overserved because I had a big margarita when we started recording. Um, that's what, we, that's what we do here, and we. We try to do it damn well. And hey, by the way, listeners, uh, Child Care Bar and Grill, we're in our 10th year, just past 1.5 million total downloads as you're listening to this. Um, and, and soon approaching, by before the end of 22, we'll hit two, 2 million total downloads, which in, in the, the scope of podcasts out there, there are plenty of podcasts like Joe Rogan out there who has multi-million downloads a day. But the vast majority of the million pod, bazillion podcasts out there, um, they're, they're lucky if they get... 250 total downloads and their their whole run as a podcast so we're right there in the middle Doing well. and feeling feeling good about it this has been the child care bar and grill podcast if you need more nicole go to inspiredec.com and click around please back soon with another episode thanks for listening bye-bye bye-bye This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.